This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. of the Yellow Airport. I'm your host Stefan Wutzko and today we will talk about a 4-1 loss to RB Leipzig in front of a full house Friday's game against VfB Stuttgart and we will answer your listener questions for all that and more. Joins me and I'm very pleased to announce him ESPN FC's best field reporter Archie Rintut. Hello Archie, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks for having me Stefan. I'm doing well. I'm a bit sweaty just off my bike <laughs> but apart from that I'm all good. Yeah, you, you you had to drop off a parcel, or what did you do? Uh, I I was just uh, I was just dropping off some clothes that have have not made it through into my summer collection. Um, <laughs> that my uh, Italian mate Eleanor, who is my fashion advisor, was like, no, 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 those have got to go. So see, um, I I, yeah. I knew you wouldn't be this good looking all by yourself, Archie. <laughs> Speaking of good looking, this is actually a Yellow Wallpot premiere for people watching us on YouTube because uh, this is now all on video. So Archie, please don't pick your nose or do anything silly. <laughs> How did you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> but uh, b before before we talk about uh, all things Borussia Dortmund, Archie, um, I I have to ask you about. Uh, a very sad circumstance and that's that the English shops in Germany are closing apparently and you have been <laughs> left high and dry. Mm. Um, do you, do yeah. you want to call for help? Anybody listening to this maybe sending you any of these, I don't, I don't even know, crisps. Well, they're, they're if, they're willing to pay, if they're willing to pay what I have to pay the other end on any parcel I receive, which is generally 10 euros or so, if it's coming from the UK, yeah, you have to. Then, then sure, get in touch and I'll PayPal you my details. <laughs> But if not, then look, I'm, I'm, I'm going over to the UK a little more regularly now. I'm able to source some crumpets. Look that up if you don't <laughs> what know what crumpets? they are. crumpets? Why does it sound so British? You're right. It does. <laughs> it, it does sound very British. Uh, you know, Pim's always, always open to that as well. Fantastic summer drink. If you've, if you've not tried it, um, Monster Munch, pickled onion flavor, all other flavors need not apply. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit short of those things. Shreddies, good <laughs> solid cereal. If you've not had it before. Um, yeah, as, as you can see, uh, you have like most of British you have cuisine, this isn't like a particularly healthy. Year old or twelve-year-old. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so, some of us have accepted our life choices a, a long time ago, Stefan, and we're All just right. getting on with it. So, Fine. Yeah. let's get into it. So, a four-one loss to RB Leipzig in front of uh, the first sellout stadium in about two years. Archie, you were there, so you now have the pleasure to uh, talk about your takeaways from that game. Should we talk about before the game? Yes, first? please. And the and and the the more positive aspects, or some of the more positive aspects, which was a couple of thousand Dortmund fans gathering at Mollerbrücke uh, in the city, just a, a couple of kilometers away, miles if you're more 
uh, that way inclined <laughs> from the Westfalenstadion and led by the, the Dortmund Ultras marching towards the stadium, celebrating their return for the first time in a couple of years. And it felt emotional watching them come back and it felt like the return of football. I, or German football as as we know it. And it, it felt emotional too. Uh, although I did hear reports of one or two who were filming that. So, such is the way with ultras. They, they do not like being filmed. You, you better do it from a distance if you are going to do that. Uh, one or two having uh, Döner's, uh, Döner kebabs hurled at them, making me think, was Kevin Grosskreutz part <laughs> of the group who were walking towards the stadium? See, this, uh, is, this is already a violation in my book. You cannot throw the holy... Meal that is expensive, a aren't they? Like that's a you're throwing you're literally throwing a good five euros. It's like these people who throwing a full beer, like when scoring. <laughs> I mean, it happens a lot in German stadiums, granted, but through emotion. But I feel in England we've seen through a lot of yeah European Championship and uh, past World Cup celebrations, at least up to semi-finals and finals cries a little bit just this tradition of throwing your beer everywhere but you know in, in germany it feels more sensible maybe it's the grass is greener uh gene in in me uh but yeah so there was a bit of that going on but all that i saw was the vast majority as ever uh being in the right spirit and you know just feeling that adrenaline kick of being back with their mates and going to the stadium again and It felt like that as well, if we transition to for the first 20 minutes or so. It felt like the players were really getting a charge from that, getting that current which was running through the stadium that has been missed for so long and which I think saw Dortmund's home form dip, particularly last season, without the fans for a full season. And then when that chance, those two chances didn't go in, Firstly, the Marco Royce through on goal, squaring it to Erling Haaland behind him. And then when Mohamed Simakon uh, misjudged the ball and the ball ran to Erling Haaland, who wasn't looking 100% sharp, as I yeah, wouldn't expect I mean, him to had, be. He had a very thick ankle. I don't know. Did you, did you yeah. see the screenshots from the uh, game against Armenia? I mean, the, I did. the, the ankle I did. really twisted. Uh, that looked like a season-ending injury. But yeah. uh, luckily it wasn't. I mean, Marco Royce can tell you about painful injuries against Armenia yeah, as well. I think it was yeah. against them in 2014. He picked up his injury through a hefty challenge, um, which ruled him out for that World Cup. But yeah, I don't think Marco Royce would appreciate anyone mentioning that. But yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you you are right. You know, we, we need to obviously talk about the, the emotional aspect of, of this game because... You know, you saw people, at least on television, you know, with uh, tears in their eyes, just singing, you never walk alone. And uh, these are people oh. that, that uh, probably were already in the stands when it wasn't at full capacity. So you just yeah. see the meaning of this and, and the, the little choreo they, they had. Um, oh, I felt emotional, mate. Yeah, ob obviously. I felt, I felt emotional. I've Look, I've been emotional in that stadium for... A few reasons. And I say this as somebody who is who is not a Dortmund fan. Uh, Viva Fortuna Köln. <laughs> I, and, and you guys, once upon a time in the 80s, as, as, as I've learned, uh, <laughs> as I learned through my Fortuna Köln education, you know, sliding doors moment. 
Borussia Dortmund staying in the Bundesliga in the 80s when smashed Fortuna Köln and got a late-minute equaliser originally in a relegation playoff. But that that aside, what what I meant to say is that, yeah, I, I remember being in that stadium at Dortmund the night after the bomb attack on the team. And I was crying because it was so emotionally charged. Yeah. How how couldn't it be? Having been in the stadium the previous night and still send still sends shivers up my spine thinking about that. And in a different way completely, of course, but it was really quite something just to just to feel the atmosphere again and just hear the fans get back into their rhythm. And as much as it felt like joy, it was relief as well. Yeah, uh, w- without a doubt. I mean, the the stadium is so great just when you're there and no one else is. You know, there, there is this sort of gravitas to it. I just love being there. I just love smelling the, the air and the, the pitch and, and whatnot. And obviously... When you're a German, journalist, you you love the free ice cream as well. <laughs> How did you know? Damn. Yeah, I did get free ice cream at the weekend. Uh, yeah, as, as you would. I mean, I, I, I made uh, I made a couple. Uh, uh, yeah, my, myself, I'm not... and I'm lactose intolerant, <laughs> so that's uh, maybe not always the best idea. But uh, you know, I I, I survived. <laughs> Um, Look, but, I'm not a smoker, mate, yeah. but actually that was one of the things that struck me on the way to the stadium. It was the smell of the pyro being lit, that that, that smell of cordite, you know. It's very pungent. Kind of it. It's, it. It is. That that just little sound of when it's when it's being lit, you know. Th- these are obviously scenes that, that we don't want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and just the smell of the Bratwurst stand as well. Like yes, yeah. this is this is for me what it's like to to be in Stadion. Like it feels, it feel it felt just right just walking to the the game. And I also saw this uh, this father and son, uh, and just hearing him explain to his five year old like yeah, this is this is what it's about. It yeah, it felt it felt emotional just kind of watching that little moment and hearing uh, his son asking questions about like why are they all. Why is everyone saying nasty things about RB Leipzig? And <laughs> oh, there's a lot to explain there. <laughs> well, yeah, right. All right, Archie, um, how, how do you explain to a five-year-old that RB Leipzig are bad? <laughs> well, to be honest, this five-year-old seemed pretty well educated. Like yeah. he, he was telling me how how his his papa had told him how to sell an iPad already at his age. I was like, all right. I mean, look, you, you're criticizing RB Leipzig, but it sounds like your dad's pretty into capitalism. So, all right, good luck. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, you know, just, just seeing those little moments that for me is what it, it's, it's not about the one big story. It's about all the little ones that you see along the way on route to a stadium and particularly having, I'm going to call it the fortune of being in the stadium for the last few years. You, you notice that that's not there. You miss that presence. And I think that, yeah, at Dortmund, you see uh, an even broader version of that because there are so many people who are going to the stadium. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Even during a pandemic, I do not want to be on the old U42 <laughs> getting out on Theodor Fliedenheim and uh, walking mm. to the stadium. That's the experience I really do not want to have. But, uh, you know, if I were living in Dortmund right now, that wouldn't be a problem because I just walk 
So, but I, I think you still, do you still travel by train or do you, do you drive nowadays? Due to, due to pandemic Yeah, I think I've seen, seen you I've, in the, in the Signal Iduna Park, Park, whatever it's mm-hmm. called. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, let's talk about the game a little bit. Uh, I don't want mm, to dwell on that, it too yeah. much. Um, obviously, Dortmund had uh, 63% possession. The expected goals are 0.8 to 0.9. Yet the results tell a very different story. Um yeah, you already mentioned those two chances. Uh, tragically, Marco Reus, for whatever reason, did not opt to just shoot it, which I think everyone in the stadium wanted him to do. You know, I I understand the impetus to maybe get Erling Haaland going because he's been on a slump. Let's be honest, um, he has not been in the greatest form, and so trying to set him up, yeah, would have been perfect. I mean, if if you make the pass and connect, no one's gonna complain, but. Uh, he didn't, so <laughs> there you go. And uh, yeah, I thought this was a game that you could see coming from miles away uh, in, in the result, in the, the playing style. I think Tedesco, before the game, when he was asked about containing Haaland, he said something about, well, we want to have the possession, and uh, if you have the possession, they can't uh, get to you. I thought that was uh, a very bold-faced lie by him, because I, you know, you know Tedesco football, it's always about organizing it's very deeply it's very i don't know if i want to call it atletico madrid kind of approach but it mm-hmm. is defense first and then transition offense and if you look at the squad that leipzig have that is probably the perfect way to approach a game in dortmund because really you just have to wait to for dortmund to beat themselves and that's pretty much what they did because emre Can, uh i think won a nice uh, dribble duel whatever with a bit of luck against connie Leimer. Leimer uh in the 19th minute and then in the 20th minute he thought oh well that worked so well let's try this again and then it did not work out and uh, yeah Dortmund uh, got sucker punched by Leipzig I think that was actually the, the very first chance of the game right so um, yeah amazing pass there was a play. little chance for Andre Silva before that yeah but it for, did not register as, well? a, as a shot okay yeah sure and there, there was an Andre Silva chance six minutes after the liner mm-hmm. goal so maybe that's the one you think but either way um yeah uh, long story short Dortmund conceded and then sort of fell apart um and I I don't know how many long balls were about a hundred you know it wasn't a season high I looked it up um but uh yeah, Dortmund elected to punt the ball, you know, trying to evade Leipzig's pressing and get behind the back line. And it really only worked the, the first time uh, for the Marco Reus chance. And other than that, uh, it was a lot of giveaways and a lot of, um, yeah, I don't know, a, a sign of uncreativity. I think there's a few points to make. Firstly, the the opening goal from Conrad Leimer. <laughs> It looks like it's at Emre Chan's door. And once again, we hear Mats Hummels between the lines criticizing a teammate, saying we have to do better in, in, in that situation. But once again, where is the collective responsibility from Mats Hummels? Because sure, Emre Chan loses the ball there. There are still a couple of phases to go. And ultimately, Emre Chan is also responsible for that final phase, or so it looks like. But with Mats Hummels, the way that he stepped out 
from the back line, that was irresponsible for him to do that. He has these, I think, what's the best translation from German? Hurra Aktionen, like hooray actions where... (laughs) He tries to be the hero and will go on this mad run to try and conquer well, the yeah, ball. Well, yeah, he, he gambles usually on the first, you know, moment of, of the yeah. play where he just leaves the defense. And off, I mean, it works often enough for him. But when it, it does, doesn't, but it, it leaves a gaping hole, especially when you play with a back three. It's not a good idea. In your final third, in your own final third to do that, when Leipzig have the ability to play those passes uh, between the lines, be pl- between the men, the, those um, Schnittstellen balls as uh, as as you call it in german and i don't think any german ever call it schnittstellen ball well sure. you know what i mean schnittstellen pässe yes there are, you go. Are, are you happy now yes okay thank Gonna you be accurate <laughs> just just have to come up to your to your standards um, and look like that 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 for me is a problem and emre chan okay here is a guy who can do a job in various positions. That much is clear. The problem is he's being asked to paint the Sistine Chapel and he's he's your handyman. Like, he's not the guy who should be being dotted around every week. This is why I think you see someone like Joshua Kimmich at Bayern saying, no, no, this is my position and this is where I'm going to play because you fall into the danger of being this everyman for, for every position. And... I think that Emre Chan has has suffered partly because of that. Emre Chan is not a is not a terrible footballer. I I saw the question on Sky uh, posed to uh, I think it was to Marco Rosa and to Gregor Kobel after the game about whether it was a question of quality, which essentially I can tell you from interviewer speak is saying is he good enough, which is harsh because it's not the, the problems that are at Dortmund right now are not down to any one player. The fact that Emre Chan is put in that position, I sure he can solve that better. But the reason it leads to a goal is, I would say, then those three phases: it's Chan, it's Hummels, and then it's Chan again for not stepping out. But he's not helped by that lunge by Hummels, and the way that Mats Hummels talks. I mentioned it briefly about the between the lines. Seriously, I I don't get it. Well, I do get it because. All he's trying to do is control the narrative. He says, uh, in no way should that have been a 4-1. Like, that game was some sort of injustice. You saw the amount of long balls that were played there. Like, the, the, the how idealist they were. And the, the point of the game that he praises Dortmund for doing is happens to be the bit of the game that he was involved in with that pass to, to Marco Royce. Hmm, interesting. And then he's talking about, oh, I know what people on Twitter are going to be saying. <laughs> yeah, I didn't Sorry, even but, say much. <laughs> no, but what on earth are you doing? What on earth are you talking about? I, wh- why do you care about controlling the outside narrative? Because that, that's the only reason you bring it up. I, no one at Bayern is talking about caring about what people say on Twitter. And that, for me, is the problem that's one of the biggest problems that Borussia Dortmund have. They are not addressing the problems that are actually there. They are too interested in protecting in certain individuals, Mats Hummels being one of them, in protecting their own position. And the fact as well, I can tell you from experience that when players come over to you after the game, it's, it's a process. It takes a bit of time. 
Mats Hummels could not have been over quicker to Sky, having watched it back. They, they go straight from um, straight from uh, Wolf uh, Wolfus to Sebastian Hellmann and Lothar Mateos, and there's Hummels. I he could not get there quickly enough to talk about what he wanted to talk about, and then. After the interview, after trying to play this this nice guy role, when effectively once again he's thrown his teammates under the bus, I you can see on camera him being very short to one of the press officers at Dortmund, which yeah, you've lost. There's no need to be rude. There's no need for it. I you know I just I don't I don't like that at all, and I think. To, to think that he thinks that people can't see through this. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, but Ike, he's part of the problem. He's part of the problem. It is this lack of collective responsibility. And when I hear the way that somebody like Gregor Kobel talks, like, just an example. When Marco Royce was going through on goal, he was asked about that. He said that he could barely see it, didn't really know what happened. I... Whether that is the truth, I don't know. But you're, you're protecting your teammate at least, right? And that's what I feel like Gregor Kobel is doing when he talks to, when I spoke to him at the weekend. Like the first thing is he's looking at, like he's looking at himself. And if he's done something, he'll hold his hands up to that. And to be fair to him as well, he's coming out in his second language and speaking very well. And, you know, he's he's putting his finger on the pulse much better about what's going on and not throwing his teammates uh, under the bus, so to speak. I think it's, I think it's just really poor form. And Matt almost is meant to be one of your leaders in the dressing room. Like, it's a big problem for Borussia Dortmund because he doesn't have the legs anymore. He, the, the, there's a big sign when when Hansi Flick, you know, he's recalled Thomas Muller to the squad, but. Funnily enough, Mats Hummels hasn't come back. You, you, you think there's a reason for that? There has to be. Like, he's not he's not at the level anymore. And yet, because of his closeness to Hans-Joachim Watzke, which I think is there for all to see, he's probably likely to get a new deal. And it is that culture of trying to protect this legacy of from once upon a time that continues to hurt Dortmund as as they go on and is continually reflected back on in, in far, far too often. I mean, Mats Hummels is very good at uh, casting blame on the entire team. He has done this throughout the entire season. I think this weekend he once again said that um, they lack tactical discipline. And uh, what I found interesting is that Marco Rose was asked about that at the press conference. And uh, <laughs> Rose said, well, I personally would appreciate if uh, we're even wilder slash more chaotic at mm. times. And he was like, just look at Konrad Leimer and what he did. And he just took the ball and ran with it and uh, made things happen. And he sometimes, I think, wants Dortmund players to also try to make things happen and, you know, have take responsibility in the game is what Rose said. So I find that very interesting um, because, you know, obviously Rose said that long balls were part of the game plan and apparently very big part of it. But at the same time, he, he said Dortmund played a few too many 
And um, yeah, uh, to to me, that's obviously also just down to the squad. I mean, uh, let's be real. If you have a double pivot of Axel Witzel and Jude Bellingham, you will not get a lot of Schnittstellen passe. Just because Witzel is uh, a guy, before he picks out a vertical pass, he will look around to see who's behind him so he can turn around and then pass there. That's just his, his style and it does not fit to Dortmund in any way or form. But I think that Dahoud right now is not playing because um, I think Rosa thinks when you play Dahoud and Bellingham together, you lack uh, a bit of uh, defensive protection for the back line, which I guess is a, a fair thought. And uh, at some point, I think he needed to react because, you know, I think Jude Bellingham right now is probably the most praised Dortmund player there is because fans can identify him because he is always highly emotional in games, just like fans, you know, that obviously helps. And uh, secondly, he is a fighter. You know, there are money bender-esque scenes very often from Jude Bellingham where it looks like he's sacrificing his body just to make a play. And that is all very welcome, especially uh, in House Butzko. I really like Jude Bellingham, but um, at the same time, I think Dortmund do have to recognize that Jude Bellingham also has his limitations. And, uh, you know, obviously there's this uh, nice story about him wearing the 22 because he can play from 10 to 8 to 4 or whatnot, and it all adds up to... 22 all the uh the positions he can play in but i would say that he is no ilka gunwan uh in in the sense that he does not unlock defenses with really great uh passes between the lines uh, you know he he has a couple of good uh, playmaking uh I, I guess swagger about him every now and then mm -hmm. but it's a not consistent and b it's not good enough to unlock a very well organized team like let's see so the creativity it's lacking that delicate touch yeah really isn't it it is you know which is fine i think you know obviously if you're dortmund you, you want to have a gunuan type player who can play hollywood passes but these players are really hard to find and i think you just have to settle on jude bellingham being your number eight and i think that's you know something you would just need to plan around in in the future and uh, part of part of the creativity obviously needs to come from players like Guerrero, let's say or you know other players that can dribble marco royce can play a, a killer pass and whatnot so um obviously there there are ways to to get around that and maybe you find a number six who can also play a decent pass and we will probably talk about dortmund's backline later too which uh, is often tasked with playmaking as well. So, um, yeah, uh, that's... Just a point on Bellingham Yes, there, mate. I think that it's actually a problem how much responsibility he's having to take. Yes. He shouldn't be in this position at being, what is he, 19 years old? And the position that he's gone to in the club where he is one of the leaders on the pitch... This was not the dynamic a few years ago when other teenagers have, have come into the club. It, it's not oh, like that. <laughs> no, I, I don't think quite in Julian the same Weigel, way. When, when he came in and how much responsibility he assumed immediately. True, but it felt like it felt like there were still some more senior individuals in the squad who had more talent than these players, more influence in the team. And right now, it feels like the most influential players 
are the youngest ones and the youngest ones who are going to push off I feel like this has very a, swiftly. been a theme for a while though just look at Jaden yeah. Sancho in the past or, or Dembele so I mean the point is is it's not being it's not being sat on by senior individuals in the team that Jude Bellingham at the weekend for example what you won't have seen on the TV is that the whole team bar him goes over to the South stand and applauds. And then Jude Bellingham follows after. Jude Bellingham needs to be going with the whole team and like not having his own personal round of applause. I, I get that he's emotional. You could see him talking with Erling Haaland at certain points towards the end of the game being like, what is going on here? I get his frustrations, but someone needs to put an arm around him and be like, the club comes first. I not, not Jude Bellingham. And I think that you can see he gives absolutely everything as as you've pointed out this is not to say that he is lacking anything in terms of effort or mentality towards towards giving his all for the club but after what happened with Nico Schultz like he I think has stepped out of line a couple of times it's fair to say that and it needs to be made clear by senior players that you know there is a there is a priority list here about things that we do. And because there are so many, there's no real English word for Baustellen. Um, Construction sites. <laughs> Construction sites, yeah. Problems. Problems sounds more serious, but to be honest, it's probably more accurate right now uh, with with the way that the squad is is working. That, you know, that, that doesn't get picked up on. And, and there is such a responsibility that is being pushed upon Jude Bellingham that he's happy to take. Right. You know, he, he really lives that. You can see the way he runs around whipping up the crowd and he, he wants that, but it's also too much for a teenager who is still finding his form and will still have like those, those performances where he's not quite on it. That that's a reality of, of growing up as a, as a player, Kylian Mbappe, if even he can go through a lean phase, then everyone can. I mean, we always say that about young players, but the truth is even veterans go through these phases just the same, you know? It just yeah, right, exactly. Down to form. I mean, look at Emre Can, for example, you know, prime example. Um, he was signed to be the veteran who would be the person, as you just said, to put his arm around Jude Bellingham and tell him what's what. But yeah. His on-pitch performance throughout this entire season has been lackluster in a in a way that is appalling because he's made so many rookie errors, if you will. Mm. Um, be it in the, in the Champions League where he's given away penalties, really harebrained uh, mistakes and and silly fouls and and red cards and all this nonsense um, that I'm at the point that I'm just yeah please just punt Emre Can into the sun I do not want to <laughs> I do not want to see him at the you club anymore you can be anymore. nicer than that yeah I, I'm trying to but <laughs> punt him into the sun <laughs> it's a metaphor but you know what I mean it's uh, <laughs> I just yeah. I, I just like to um, not have to deal with Emre Can's shenanigans can spot the fan in the, in the future yeah I'm 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 not a big Emre If I was Jan talking fan. about a Fulham player, I, I might say the same thing. So yeah, fair yeah, white. Yeah. So um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It it is what it is. I mean, he he can do a quality job here and there, but I just don't think uh he is fulfilling the task it. he was signed for. But that's it, but but what was he signed for? To be what? the veteran I guy in whatever position. See, this is this is the problem. 
And but you, there is no settled position for him. Exactly. And I know that he is a utility player, but what Chan leads to for me is the bigger picture of what is being asked of the players by Marco Gorza. And even above him, what is the big game plan of how Borussia Dortmund are going to play? And after a, nearly a season of watching Marco Rosa football, hmm. I, I I can't really recognise many trends of style of play or indeed much progress or development. It's 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 pretty yeah. I you know occasionally things things go upwards, but. It's just been a season of workmanlike victories, Wait. really, apart from the opening day against Frankfurt, I think. <laughs> Excitement of the Leverkusen away game, but even then that was a pretty tense affair where you could say that the referee probably won it. Ah, what's it? it, it All the same, it's like... The, the Kunosaw handball you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, uh, Kosunu, that's yeah, the Kosunu, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah Ed's, Wait, did you say connoisseur? Yeah, I, I, I did <laughs> <laughs> um, the connoisseur handball yes um, it was one for con- connoisseur I'm pretty so, sure the connoisseur's handball is a, but yeah, is a we football do have podcast a listener question somewhere. from uh, Nick Dobano and he just asks and I think you've almost answered it how would you rate Rose's first season and maybe we can transition that into whether it's his last according to reports but yeah how, how do you rate if it? it's always the coach's fault and it's always the player's fault, it's not their fault, then you need to divert your eyes a little bit further up the hierarchy and you will get your answer as to whose fault it is. And I'm talking here about sporting director Michel Zorg and CEO Hans-Joachim Watzke because they are purveyors... Purveyor? I don't know if that's the right words. Um, They are... They sell the same line as, as Matt Hummels in that they are putting the blame elsewhere. Aki Vatska, I would say, is has been for a while now effectively gaslighting the Borussia Dortmund support when it comes to what what are the problems. Like, you know... He's he's talking about things which aren't the problems. He's not actually dealing in arguments, but he talks about the financial side of it and how it's difficult to compete with Bayern Munich, which no one disagrees with. But that doesn't answer the question as to why have Borussia Dortmund year on year got worse and why have there been so many poor signings? Why Why is there no coherent strategy on the pitch? Why is it always the coach's fault? And why do you continually refer back to saving the club some 17 years ago to Jurgen Klopp? And, you know, it's like you're pointing to the glory days when, look, even Thomas Tuchel's time at the club was five years ago now. That's a long time. It is that, a long that's time. gone. That, that, that's, that's gone under the bridge. And you're not answering the questions as to, sure, it is important that Borussia Dortmund are on a steady financial footing. No one argues with that. But is it possible to run a club better than Dortmund are right now? I think it is. Easily, easily. I, I exactly. Think, I think we've and been that's all the fans the entire, want. Yeah. The fans want progress. Fans accept that Bayern Munich have 
the money that they do. I, I speak to them all the time, and and no one's no one's upset with that. No one's upset. Fans don't want their club to be Bayern Munich. They just want some form of improvement and to be able to feel something, some sort of identification. Speaking to a Dortmund fan earlier today, actually, who was telling me that she's envious of Eintracht Frankfurt because they get to feel more in European competition than Borussia Dortmund have since that Champions League final. They've got to a semi-final of the Europa League, at least. They've got to a quarter-final now against Barcelona. They are having these famous European nights in their history that Borussia Dortmund are, have, have really lacked. And you would have expected at least a couple more to have happened. Of course, they were on the verge of that with that when Henrik Mkhitaryan rounded, <laughs> oh uh, rounded uh, the goalkeeper against Real Madrid. Maybe it wasn't so far away, but... It's it's felt far away. Yeah, I mean, Henrik Mkhitaryan feels very far away. <laughs> you talk about he does. being far away, Mkhitaryan is not much further away. But look, that's the point with Marco Rosa is he can only do so much. And you think of the way that Dortmund really fought for him. I mean, let's put it this way. They effectively set the Bundesliga on fire to get him. <laughs> Because look at the amount of coaching carousel changes that that triggered, and to to go and get him from Gladbach, and, and then paid, what, you go and make such an effort. Sorry, I think they paid also six million, right? There was even a uh, five million, five, five million, yeah. and and you think of all that, and and you go get him, and you don't really back him, like you you get him to just be like the latest doll in your in your shop window of being like look this is proof that we're going but has he really been given the players and the resources to do that i there's so much at Borussia Dortmund right now which is which is not right the the biggest light i can find in the gloom is gregor kobel and he's been in goal in the season where dortmund have conceded more goals after 28 match days uh, than they have in the past 14 years at this stage, it's a really weird dynamic, and it's not. I would say. I think you asked him how 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 bad it feels to be that guy right now, even though it's pretty much not his fault. Yeah, I did, and like he's he's you know if look you've you've mentioned this summer clear out um, that um, well I, I I don't think we have yet no. on the pods. But this summer clear out, which is on the cards with Sebastian Kale coming in, taking over from Michel Zorch, Zorch. Um And like he's in, in this, you know, new utopian Borussia Dortmund that if, if we're if we're sporting directors, Stefan, yes. you and I, what a world that would be. Um, <laughs> then I think Gregor Kobel is is one of the leaders in that. From what I've seen this season, not, I mean, I go back to the way that he talks, like this, his whole attitude, even when things are looking very bleak, you know, you always see him rallying. You always see him go, seeing, keep going, weitermachen. And that is the kind of guy that I want to be battling on the pitch with. And, but apart from him, how many more, how many more of the current crop would you say 100% definitely want them on board that's the difficulty <sighs> yeah and i think someone like marco royce as well i'd still want him around i think that he's a victim of 
almost being burnt out by this whole situation at the club for having to front up continually for mistakes that he can't really control how how the club is being run. I there's there's only so much that he can do and this guy has shown enough commitment to the club whether it was signing a new deal when the club was 17th um you know all those seasons ago and making sure that you know he was there for the club the club's been there for him as well but I think you you see when he goes through on goal so many times in the last few years he's just overthinking it and he's almost having to take on too much responsibility Marco Royce was in the in the the better days some years ago was never he was left to do his job and in an ideal world I think that 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 would happen a little more he's doing his best but I can understand why he flips out every time he's asked about mentality because there's definitely a part of his brain where he's thinking is is it is it this it's not and because I love this club I can't really go into the details as to why so that's why I think he gets angry yeah no it's uh I mean mentality obviously has been a a part of Dortmund's problem as well you know, just because it's sure, but it's not nearly the biggest. No, it's factor not it, the, in the, this. The, the way this team is built, or let's say put together, because build uh, already implies too much. <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel I feel like Dortmund have been reacting to to problems that they identified, but reacted very poorly. For example, you know, the the left back position. Um, you know, Marcel Schmelzer had a lot of injury difficulties. Guerrero was never the, the fittest and, and Dortmund were absolutely desperate for a new left back. You know, it was it was a was a time when, when Durham also had his problems and whatnot. And so they, they went on and signed Nico Schultz for twenty five million. And back at the time it was already who in their right mind would, would do such a transfer. He was a wing back and Nagelsmann had a whole freaking system in order to bring out his strengths and hide his weaknesses and Dortmund think, oh yeah, uh, we will replicate that. But then also have like Lucien Favre who will never do something like that. So I, I don't know, Noth- nothing made sense in, in, in the recruitment in, in so many years. And, um, you know, I think the higher-ups trying to replicate a brand of football that they saw in a Jurgen Club where they thought you need some midfield enforcers too. You know, they signed Delaney, they signed Chan and 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 so on and so forth. Um where they just hope, okay, if if we have these mentality players, whatever that means, uh magically this will um mean the entire team will now play a, a cohesive counter pressing or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um yeah to to me um, I, I think there there have been just too many errors in recruitment, and I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. The, no one re- really knows what the philosophy is and what the club is going for. I mean, we've talked about this on on the show so many times. You know, it does not make sense to have Peter Bosch and Favre uh, somewhere Stöger in between, and then uh, Marco. You'd be Rose. nice to pee Stöger, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, 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 it was it was fun to ask him questions, go back and forth on him at press conferences. But uh, yeah, uh, and he he got that one in the Champions League. But I I, I think overall the um, 
the the vision has been been lacking. I, I think the Dortmund bosses sort of know what they want to see, but they just never managed to actually uh, put this into action. So um, now we have a question from Ed K J J J Williams, and he asks, what sort of project do Dortmund seem to be building toward? Because Kiel etc. seem to make a lot of noise about a transformative summer and who does slash doesn't fit. So now looking forward, you've already said that uh, who will make the list of players you want to continue with. And right now the, the list is very slim, to be honest. You know, there are question marks behind Marco Reus, as you said, there are question marks behind Mats Hummels, even though I'm 100% sure they will continue to be in Dortmund. Um, you know, obviously Jude Bellingham will remain and uh, whatnot. And I, I think uh, Marius Wolf has now managed to find himself into in a, in a position where, where he has a certain standing that you want to build with him as well maybe just as the 13th 14th guy but uh, he certainly mm -hmm. ha has has a place in that squad but other than that it it's get, it's getting dicey because obviously Witzel will be gone Akanji is probably going to be gone um you know in in midfield uh, you would love to get rid of uh, Julian Brandt I think you know Emre Can as well has been uh, rumored to to make the list uh, You know, I think Dahoud has not shown consistently that he's the guy for Dortmund either. So, you know, I would right now put him on the list as well. Um, fullback position, a massive problem for Dortmund as well. Uh, Meunier has been in good form, even rumored with a transfer to Barcelona, of course. But um, see the, the the type of player that uh, you want in the, in the Dortmund system. I think you need a player with way more pace. Um, and well, he is pretty quick. He is pretty quick going forward. Not so much running back. <laughs> but uh, I, think I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not the biggest Thomas Meunier fan, to be honest. But also, you know. My biggest problem with him is the way he controls the ball. What? Or like, controls the ball. Well, well no, but the honor, I, look, um, having, I, I, I didn't see it properly until I was in the stadium and being a little bit closer to the pitch and just noticing that he's putting his soul up like that to, to control the ball sometimes. And that's, that, that's not how your, your best fullbacks in the world, like, you know, laces every time. Like that's, that, that's a very basic thing. And like too often is, is that occurring? Like how many times has there been that little lapse in concentration and the balls, the balls slipped under his foot, but that's, That's very basic. That's very basic coaching, which, um, you know, I'm sure Lucien Favre would have got on top of with his um, sitting down and watching the game with 17 replays or whatever. <laughs> um, but there's, yeah, look, there's many things that he can do well um, when when he's crossing the ball, for example, um, and the way he gets forward. But if if you told me that Barcelona were coming in, I would say, you know what, particularly given that he's meant to be one of the... The, the high earners at Dortmund, I would say, yes, yes thank please. you. We will go and um, find another option. 100%. So actually, obviously, um, this is this is a question that could take, you know, take the entire show and, and then some, <laughs> obviously. So um, you have talked to Sebastian Kiel. Um, I've seen interviews with him and uh, you and he sounds always very ambitious You know, I think he's talking about Dortmund wanting to win championships. And I, I think this is a good approach because you are the second richest club, as Aki Watzke will have you known. 
uh, in Germany and you can yeah, change Yeah, but do you know how an... much more buy and earn, <laughs> Stefan? <laughs> yeah, I do. But nevertheless, I, I, I still think in, in sport it is possible to challenge Bayern every now and then. But uh, uh, obviously, it also should not always be the benchmark. Especially not if you are in your sixth rebuild slash transition season. Um, even though I, I think in any team it's always a transition season because whenever does a squad stay entirely the same. Um, so Archie, um, what is your feeling? Um, and and I'll go with feeling here or or your general thoughts about how Sebastian Kiel is um going into this job and, and finding his feet. Obviously, there are reports that he has already been highly involved in the transfer of Gregor Kobel and that he's been uh, uh, basically uh, the, the lead guy in the Zule transfer. So it's not like he's going to start this summer. He has already started. Uh, his, his job is already underway. And you have seen the flood of rumors. Dortmund will probably sign Nico Schlotterbeck. Dortmund are very interested in Adiemi. We can talk about this in a second. Um, now, um, Raum from Hoffenheim is, is linked with Dortmund. There are a lot of rumors about players that could make the list of going out, and there are also a lot of rumors, but not as many, of players that should come to Dortmund, like, say, Skiri from Cologne and, and what Dortmund want to do, like get a num new number six, etc., yada, yada. I think you've read pretty much everything uh, that's been reported. So with that all in mind... Um, do you think he will give Dortmund the fresh start and the perspective that they need? Or will it be more of the same of, of uh, Griffith? It's difficult to tell. It's difficult to tell because when I've spoken to him, I'd say he's stuck pretty close to the party lines uh, of, of, of what is said by, you know, the chief members of the hierarchy, uh, Michel Zorc and, and Aki Vatska, but he doesn't quite have the same say yet. I'd be intrigued to know, by the way, what Matthias Sammer is really doing. Like, because from from far off, we all would love. It to seems know. it, 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 it has, seems it like Dortmund are paying. Improved really since he came. Like the the I don't know if if his from the outside looking in, it, it looks like just hush money to stop him from criticizing the club. Maybe on on national TV, uh, which is and and to to making those kind of analysis analyses that that he was and he was asked on Amazon the other week about his role and he said that he's a whisperer and anyone who has seen Matthias Sammer in his punditry or indeed heard reports of what he was like at Bayern, Matthias Sammer doesn't whisper like so that that for me set a few uh, yeah question marks in my head ringing. Sebastian Kale, I, I'm intrigued to see how he takes the job on because the truth is, I don't know. I don't know exactly how how he's going to do it. I've heard, I've heard some some good reports um, from from people I trust within the game about um, about his approach. But let's let's see what happens when he is given the reins and how much of the reins he's given uh, because. You know, you hear from the way that uh, Hans-Joachim Batzka talks that he has quite an involvement and quite a say on the football side. But I think that's part of the problem is he's he's overreached in what he's done. Sebastian Kael, he, you you can sense that he understands how a dressing room works. And that, for me, has to be the priority. How can he get back the dressing room dynamic 
at Borussia Dortmund because that looks way off kilter right now. And making sure that you are getting the right characters in that dressing room who are going to all be pushing in the same direction. And I think that is that is the biggest challenge ahead for him. Sure, look, you want to sign players of the necessary quality, but I don't think that should really be a problem with for, for Borussia Dortmund, if, even if there are, um, as uh, Vatska is at pains to always point out, financial uh, considerations to be played in, uh, to, to be taken into account. But yeah, dressing room dynamic has to be top of that list and then start working from there. Right. So Lukas wants to know, what positions do you wish you'd see solved slash solid in three to five years time? Easy answer, every position <laughs> in that time frame. But um, uh, I think it's smart. It's smart getting those center back positions sorted. Right. Look, for it, it, anything other than a Manuel Akanji departure this summer is going to be surprising. I think, as I've made quite clear, that it should be time to uh, cut ties with, with Mats Hummels as well. And I think just getting away from that mentality of the past and, okay, the fact that Sebastian Kale, uh, you know, y your club captain during those good times is becoming your <laughs> sporting director is maybe not a great sign on that <laughs> dynamic and trying to make a break with it, but... Dortmund need to be more clinical and less emotional in the way that they're making decisions, and th there needs to be this stop, this uh, this this break away from this harking back to to those moments well, when it the comes good to news, according to Roman Burki, football is a cutthroat business, so at least there's some direction if if you want. True, but but yeah, um, I, I think, I, I th look, I think they've got right. a key position sorted right now. Yeah, I didn't think that I was skeptical about how well Gregor Kobel would work out and have been pleasantly surprised uh, by by how well he's done. Um, but anyway, but I you think, were talking about the back line. Yeah. First and foremost, Mike, get that, get a, get your centre-back sword. I think Nicolas Sula is a tremendous signing on, on, the, on that level. Um, and... For, from a Bundesliga point of view, good to see someone going after Bayern a bit and recognizing that Bayern are also not in a great shape right now. I, you know, for, for all the problems that we've talked about here with Borussia Dortmund, Bayern have got their own uh, in, in terms of their squad dynamic and how good their signings have been in recent years and how they're going to solve their own contract situations there. So they've they've got their own roadworks uh, to be to be getting on with <laughs> but yeah first and foremost sort out uh center backs and then yeah i mean look after that you could you could run wild i it's a lot harder what well, i there's there's many clichés in in football but i do think that one that really does hold true is it is a lot harder to build a backline than than going forward you are always going to find attacking players who can score goals. I, but yeah, I, finding I a stable central central defensive partnership should be the number one goal. Yeah, I I, I think you know we, we had the question of uh, direct tricks. What's the ideal backline setup with whom we have, who we are getting, and rumored getting? So I I, I think it's. It's hard to say because to me there's no ideal backline. 
in my mind before you also fix the fullback situation, mm-hmm. which is also very important for Dortmund. Um, because just look behind me, there's this beautiful Marcel Schmelzer kid. And uh, I, I think fullbacks always have a very important role. It's one of the most uh, you know, demanding positions in, in the sport, in the game. And um, I, I think that Rafael Guerrero is not a left back. You know, we haven't even uh, talked about uh, the way the Leipzig scored the 4 one and that's a gaping hole in the middle of the park, um, which is just embarrassing. It is embarrassing for Rafael Guerrero. You almost haven't the, needed to talk about the game because the problems have... Yeah, but we've seen it so many we, times. We, we've we, seen that film enough times. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, if there's a place for Rafael Guerrero at Borussia Dortmund, it cannot be going forward at left back. For the love of God, he probably is a very good number eight. You know, we, he, he has shown that he can play the ball maybe that Jude Bellingham cannot play. And I know... You know, if you're really honest, you probably makes a list of players that need to go out to. Uh, but can you afford, you know, realistically to let go of Rafael Guerrero because, you know, all of his teammates say that from a from a just footballing talent perspective, he is the most talented football player on the squad. Say all of his teammates. So use him elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. Re- reschool him. Yeah. Somewhere you don't else, even need to reschool him. Left back. You, you know, when Thomas Tuchel started with Guerrero, he was not played as a left back. He was played as a midfielder, and I think it worked out better for him. But mm. uh, the the problem is that speaking of Baustellen, Dortmund have had such a big construction side at left back that Rafael Guerrero has just been the victim of Dortmund's uh, mismanagement on that position for so long that uh, now he 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 is essentially the left back. But I think there there need to be other or better options. Because well, David I, Raum has been spoken about exactly from, exactly from Hoffenheim. Exactly. That would be an amazing transfer. I don't know if Dortmund can pull it off or not, but you know, uh after after signing Toljan and Schulz from Hoffenheim, I think <laughs> third try might be third a time lucky. It's I don't know, but uh, you know, it's time for, for uh, Hoffenheim fullback to have some Dortmund redemption, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, these are the r- transfer rumors I personally am liking right now. And uh, things need to happen, obviously. But, um, you know, having Zule, Schlotterbeck and Hummels as a back three, for example, I think works out well. You know, you have Hummels in the center and then uh, you have Zule as a, as a right-footed guy. You have Schlotterbeck as a left-footed guy. Um, that could be a setup that works. I know you're making a face, but, uh, you, you know, from, uh, from from what Dortmund might realistically have next season, um, I think this is this is a back three that might be working out. And I can't believe you've you've used the, the phrase realistic in the same podcast where you said the words punt into the sun. But OK, <laughs> it's it's a funny phrase, Archie. Can you stop? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, sure. I know. I yeah. know. Or, or you, you like. can go eat your trumpets, mumpets, or whatever they're called. <laughs> trumpets. <laughs> I've got 18 crumpets. Well, crumpets, there we go. I've got yeah. 16 crumpets here. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, so, um, yeah. Uh, but but back to my point I was winding mm-hmm. up, um, is that I think we always have to talk about long-term planning. You have to talk about anchors, you know, and then the, the, the plug-and-play guys, basically, that can work around that. And I, I, I think you need to build... From the back up to the front, usually. That that's my approach. You know, you have a solid goalkeeper, you're trying to take care of the center backs and, and full backs. 
but uh, most crucial position, obviously, center of the park. So you need a good number six and uh, then hopefully a good number eight to connect the back line with the front office <laughs> of, of the football pitch. Okay, that doesn't make sense. But actually, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, that is really what my first task for, for Sebastian Kehl really is in, in terms of, of strategy. Because I think um, your pivot will dictate what what other player material, even though I don't like that word, um, you can then sign. So, And finding the right profile of player yes. who wants to spend their best years at Borussia Dortmund, who exactly. isn't too young that you are continually letting your club become a stepping stone. There has to be, as you say, those anchors it needs there. To, it's, it needs to be a point of identification, I think. Basically, mm. Sebastian Kiel has to find the next Sebastian Kiel. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, that's a, that, that sounds like a documentary, doesn't it? Oh, I'd watch that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I also don't want to ponder on it too much because there is still too, so much to talk about the, about the future of Dortmund and how Sebastian Kiel will fare. So here's an interesting story, Archie, and I don't know how much there is to it, but, uh, you know, I, I, I like it <laughs> in, 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 in the sense how postmodern we are in football, that the Red Bull boss Dietrich Mateschitz wants to block the transfer of uh, Karim Adeyemi. Um, obviously, personal note, I'm not too psyched about Adeyemi and the price tag um, that it's mm -hmm. asked for him right now. I, don't, I wasn't too impressed with him every time I've seen him with my own eyes. Um, may maybe there's some talent in there that Dortmund see, and he is the guy for Dortmund's future. I personally don't see it yet, um, uh, but it's it's very interesting that Mateschitz apparently uh, is a little bit miffed about Haaland leaving the <laughs> RB universe to go play for Dortmund, and obviously it's been for the most part a big success for Dortmund to have Haaland. You know, he's been face of the franchise, if you will, at least internationally. Uh, I don't, you know... Face these... of the franchise. I, I bet you call it Signal Iduna Park every time as well, don't yes. you? <laughs> you know me. I'm a big Signal Iduna Park guy. Um, yeah, yeah. But but you know what I'm talking about. Um, obviously, my my uh, vernacular is tinged by, uh, you know, watching too much NBA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, proud, proud fan of the Philadelphia 76ers. But... Um, yeah, actually, what, what's your take on, on, on this little uh, kerfuffle that Dortmund may or may not have to deal with? You know, well, okay, in England, right, if you're on a night out, okay, and and you're having to, to hold your mate back from someone else. I've never been in that position, but I've seen ne other people who have been. Have I. Right? And, you know... The thing you might hear is like, he's not worth it. He's not worth it. And in this case, I mean, Karim Adeyemi, I don't think is because of the amount of money that Dortmund are going to have to lay out for him to then get a possible sell on. That's a very high risk transfer. So, um, yeah, they need to hold themselves back in, in this instance and, and consider... Is it worth it? He's a great player. If he's coming to spend the best years of his career at Borussia Dortmund, which I don't think he is, I think he's coming as as a, as another glorified stepping stone. Then okay, but otherwise, I would. I think this is where you need to trust your scouting department. 
to say, have you got something better up your sleeve? I, in terms of attacking players out there, I, through having the opportunity to travel to wonderful places this season, such as uh, Denmark, Poland, Belgium, Austria, Slovenia. I, I've been really, I've had my eyes opened just to the quality of player that is out there still. Uh, it's not just in, you know, that, that that there are other places to shop for players than, than the Bundesliga. Uh, and or indeed the, other the Bundesliga, Bundesliga too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and I think that Borussia Dortmund, you're still holding a lot of cards in your hand when it comes to finding the right players to come to you. If you're going to go for the younger, dribbly option attacker, not maybe as much as a finisher as Karim Adeyemi. No, and he, he would be more definitely of a value with him being German as well. And the fact that he will play for the national team and that will sell you shirts from a commercial point of view it would make sense oh, yeah. I get how many younger John shirts do we sell when Nico Schulz shirts he was a German international too the guy I was going to talk about I saw there was a question as well talking about getting value from the championship a la Jude Bellingham yeah. and uh, I, I am a little bit closer to um, Fabio Carvalho of Fulham because his contract is up in the summer but my, oh my, is there a player there for somebody to go and swoop in for and to offer a chance to to play, uh, to, to give first team football right, to? I'll, I'll, I'll clip this segment and send it straight to Kiev. I have a <laughs> He is exceptional. And yeah, the biggest talent I've seen at Fulham as a teenager, like bar none, he is... Um, um, We've been fortunate as fans of to see to see quite a few come through in recent years. Bayer Leverkusen were interested in him uh, in January. He nearly went to Liverpool, didn't on on deadline day. So yeah, I would be trying to find a cut price alternative for Adiemi because I think that's also key: is how will Sebastian Kale manage the budget so that you've got in terms of your hierarchy, your most important players to the side are also the ones who are your top earners. Yeah. I mean, I want to go back to the days when really Dortmund not having a fizzy attacking player that wins the one-on-one duels be the the, the main concern. Because mm-hmm. you've mentioned at the top of the show how many goals Dortmund have conceded. And I think before Dortmund show up their defensive uh, structure... Uh, we it doesn't matter how good your attacking players are, really. I'll be honest. You had Erling Haaland, albeit for half a season, and he scored a boatload of goals when he was there. But um, yes, that obviously has helped you win games and and get points. But overall, I don't think you are a competitive team if uh, this is the defensive output you you come up with week in and week out. Mm. So um, yeah, I think. In terms of priorities, Karim Adeyemi right now is very low on my personal list. And uh, I, I think you would agree on that. So, um, yeah. Um, but, but but I also agree on the fact that Dortmund have to be more creative. You know, you, there's a, there's obviously Adeyemi is not a, the secret player you dig out from the second division in France. Right, you know, he is uh, he he would be a, a big name signing if you will, even though he is playing for RB Salzburg. 
Um, but I don't think we're at the the point where Dortmund need this, and I also don't think it would be rise, wise to to play to to have, spend these resources because Dortmund's resources are very limited, as are everyone else's uh, post pandemic or still during pandemic. So um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's amazing that only now after two years uh, we had the first full Westfalenstadion, and uh, you know Bratwurst being sold again. And who knows how long that it's going to last. And the pick and mix. And the, the pick, pick and mix. mix. Yeah. With all the various sweets. That was back. I mean, it was back a few weeks ago, but, you know, in all its glory. My wife has just... spent uh, ungodly amounts of money on that stand. <laughs> 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 like, when I could come back from work, there'd still be like a couple of bits in the pick and mix uh, that she, she uh, bought. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I was always very happy. Um, to, Woman to after my it. own heart. Yes, big fan of that. Yeah, the the pick and mix stand is is amazing. I think uh, there should be one at the at the press catering too. You know, it it's uh, it it for for all I know it can replace yes. the fraudulent currywurst because let's be real, in Dortmund you need to be proud of a good currywurst and whatever they're serving there isn't it. So just do away with it and get the pick and mix. So, Isn't fraudulent currywurst the name of your Twitter burner account? It absolutely is not. It's not? All right. No. Okay. Just wanted to chat. No. <laughs> you would not know my burner account, and I'm very <laughs> grateful for that. So, um, <laughs> speaking of uh, things that could burn, uh, it's uh, Marco Wurz's coaching seat, according to Bild, if... Uh, there will be another bad result next weekend, um, which uh, is a report that I personally find laughable um, for the particular reason is that I don't think you should assess a coach to begin with and the entire philosophy and approach and whatnot uh, based on one game's result. I know it happens in sport and I know there's this report. Um, first, I don't take it seriously. Uh, may maybe Bild are trying to saw on this chair or maybe um, uh, Dortmund are trying to cover... Uh, off in, in in case they have lost confidence, but I think um, if if that is so, then uh, then they need. It's to almost be. like they're trying to point the finger somewhere else. I I don't know, but it, it's it's a weird one to me because I think um, Dortmund should not sack Rose quite yet. I think he needs mm -hmm. he needs to be given more time. Um, may, maybe you can make the case. Maybe people can make the case of why Rose is not the best fit for Dortmund. And I'm uh, welcome to listen, but at the same time, I think there are so many other problems um, that uh, you should hold on to him and, and see what he can deliver you with uh, the a newer squad, let's say. And if if uh, problems pre prevail, maybe with him that Dortmund's seen identified, then that's fine. But um, I think Marco Rosa is a good coach. I, that, I for, that first that, first that of much was, has been proven before. He's a good communicator. The question too. is how good, and is Edin Terzic better? Mm, I don't know. Those those are the questions for me. I'm I'm with you. I think it would be a little too soon and a little harsh, but the continual comments of pointing the finger elsewhere from the top has created this fertile ground for the Marco Rosa out campaign. Yes, but I, I personally am right now longing for, for con continuity on this position. Sure. So I, 
I also think that Marco Rose overall is a good communicator and something that Dortmund need on this position. Just look back at, mm -hmm. at what, you know, Favre was a good coach too in many ways, but uh, his communication to the outside was shambolic. And I, I think Rose is, is fulfilling that in, in a good sense. Um, obviously, Tessic did a good job as well, but I also would like to have Tessic more in a higher up position and, uh, and pull the strings more in, in the back. Mm -hmm. Um, that's that's my personal preference. Um, obviously, there are better coaches out there than Marco Rose. I'm sure of it. But a can Dortmund get them and and be, um, you know, uh, am I trusting Dortmund right now to to make a coaching hire uh, that is <laughs> going in the in the in the right direction? I'm not so sure. So for the time being, I personally would hold on to to Mr. Rose, and uh, sack him then maybe <laughs> maybe later if if. Uh, uh, yeah, he is clearly to to be blamed, but right now I would hold off of that. So that's that's just I don't know. To me, an article from Bill like this is is irksome because it was basically said, okay, um, Rosa has the full backing, and now not all of a sudden he does not. So um, yeah, I don't know. It, it raises an eyebrow for sure. I don't know how how you feel about this. Um, what I've seen as well, just from the personal side of, of the guy, Marco Rosa, and the way he conducts himself, I like the more human touch that he has to him, albeit when he effectively found another another word for mentality this season with Haltung, <laughs> poise. I, was, I, I had to roll my eyes a little bit, but look, I, I say just from the very small interactions that I've had with him. Even at the weekend, he came over. I didn't have an interview with him, but because um, Jan Agafjotoft uh, was was next to me as well, he came over, shook hands with him, shook hands with me, just just walking on by. I, you still feel that human touch, um, which is, I'll be honest, is not there with, with everyone. And uh, I, I mean, you know, in life as well, not not just in football, and and I'm yeah I've, I've I've got time for I've got time for those people, and yeah as as we've addressed the, the Bruce Dortmund's is, problems. Is he team. as nice as Peter Struger? Is my question. Well, what what's nice? What's nice here? Like, are, are we are we talking? You'd want to go for dinner with, and um, or you you're having a a drink down the pub, right? Uh, that, I think, that's that's a difficult one. I think both questions would be Stürger in my in my point of view. Because I, I personally want, really like Stürger. I'd want Stürger as my uncle and I'd want Marco Rosa as my mate. <laughs> okay. You know, if, right, we're, so, 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 if we're going into, you, you need you know, to contextualize that. Uh, alley, what, what, what relationship, I want Marco Rosa with me. What, what relationship do you have with your uncle? <laughs> 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 I need to contextualize this. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like he's gonna put he's gonna put an arm around you at, at you know at sore, at sore times but he's, he's also there to be a bit cheeky um you know and yeah i think p Sturgs would would just he, he, he's he's got he's got the dry one-liner he does i up his sleeve and i i i think i think marco rose is a bit more um on the front foot to use a cricketing analogy that no one will understand uh, when it comes to uh, the way he is in press conferences. If, if he hears a question that he thinks is a bit, um, yeah, um, off, off color, he'll, 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 he'll say it that way and he'll come up with the, um, with the remark. So yeah, 
I'd say that's it, it, it's an avuncular quality as well. But yeah, that that's how I'm contextualizing it. If that's all right. Yeah, I uh, now will be busy googling what avuncular means. <laughs> <laughs> avuncular means like an uncle. It's just a it's just a bit of a flashy word for it. I think. So you're referring to Marco Rose as Ivankula slash like an uncle, but you want Peter Stuger as your uncle. No, no, no. I'm saying Stuger is Ivankula, ah, but Marco Rosa, you know, I'd, I'd want him as my mate. All right. Uh, we, we have bullshit enough. It's, we still have to preview the Stuttgart game, Archie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a very serious game and a, a game I've been looking forward to in the sorts of panic, glee, and... I don't know, glee is not the right word, but but uh, panic and excitement. Let's let's put it this way, because Stuttgart right now are in 15th place. They are mm-hmm. one point above the drop zone, and mm-hmm. they just had a one-all draw against Bielefeld. Um, and obviously the... I don't know if it's he's the main man or not, but the, Zaza Kalajic is out with COVID, uh, unfortunately, because uh, uh, would have that would have been nice to see since he has been dubbed to replace Erling Haaland, maybe. Um... You know, just so many transfer rumors. I I can't can hardly keep up. Um, but what I wanted to say is that I recently, apart from the Bielefeld game, really, but I've really enjoyed watching Stuttgart because that team is alive and they are. You know, the way they've turned it around against Augsburg was was just tremendous. And mm-hmm. um, apart from a couple of blunders by Mavropanos and Co here and there and uh, throughout the entire season. I really think uh, this is a team I believe in. If you look at all the uh, guys, all the clubs in the relegation uh, zone or thereabouts, uh, who who I think deserve the most to to stay up. Obviously, at the end, it's it's about results. But you know, just looking at the character and the poise <laughs> of this team, the 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 way they they just suffocate and attack opponents uh, relentlessly. Um, yeah, it's 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 been fun to see that uh, Sosa, Kalaisic duo and, and, and whatnot. I, I think they have a lot of quality going forward. You know, Tomas has been an, an awesome signing as well. And I think they, they have weapons that really can hurt Dortmund. And uh, at this point, looking at the table, I I don't even know, and that's going to sound weird, if I really want Dortmund to, to win this game or not, because... <laughs> <laughs> I yes, want, go on. Uh, yeah. Intrigued. <laughs> because I, I I like to uh, maintain uh, or, or retain Stuttgart in the Bundesliga because I think they are valuable for the Bundesliga. And Dortmund mm-hmm. season right now is is cooked. You know, I don't I don't think there's anything salvageable from Dortmund season. So um, I personally do not care. Let's put it this way. Obviously, don't want them to lose that. I always root for Dortmund to win, sure, but you you get what I'm saying. And I'm rooting a little bit less. Let's say if Dortmund okay. lose this game, it's not going to be as painful for me as say the Leipzig game, where uh, there's yeah. no chance in hell that I want to see Leipzig succeed in anything, uh, but uh, completely evaporating. <laughs> so, um, Archie, say what you really think. Yes. Um, I, I'd rather not. Uh, I don't. I don't know if that I'm going to be legally liable after that. Um, but actually, uh, I think this is uh, for a Friday night game a very exciting Bundesliga game, and I think you would love to to have people tune into ESPN FC. So obviously, my first question is: Are you going to be there in Stuttgart to to bring us the updates and news 
live from I the am. venue. I will be there. Have you done Looking any prep work it. already since it's Wednesday and the game will be in two days' time that you can now share with us? Or is this something you will do tomorrow? Production or meetings. Production meetings tonight, Stefan. <laughs> Stefan. So, uh, you know, I can't, I, can't, I can't let you into too many secrets. Though we are going to be speaking to, all being well, uh, Stuttgart coach Pellegrino Matarazzo for the game. So do tune in. Derek Ray commentating. Lutz Fanenstiel um, on on Cocoms, the man who who's just managed to, um, yeah, head Dortmund out with getting the Burki yeah well, to Dortmund Lewis. out uh, to 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 take to take Roman Burki over to St Louis City, uh, and yeah, I'll be I'll be pitch side, and please please do tune in. I think I think we're on air ten minutes before the game on ESPN Plus, and I'm excited for the atmosphere there I, i'm still getting used to this this concept again do you, what, do you think a full house this co- is com- completely uh off topic but do you think that should have one of the best goal tunes in the league uh what is it oh yeah um, I, I, I think i think it, it it rocks out to be honest i i really like uh, it i've i've just got to get a table up in front of me I mean, I've got one on my wall, to be honest. I should probably just look up there. Uh, the favorite goal tunes. One of your favorite. As, as in, do you like it? Because I personally really like it. That That's all. We don't need to rate all the goal tunes. So. That's, that's what you forced me to do. Oh, really? <laughs> and it's not in my top five. Fine. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I... As as you say, I, I, I to 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 fall back on some typical relegation cliche characteristics that you, you're looking for sides to have if if they're going to get out of it. Character, first of all, um, the fact that they are unbeaten in four, have won games in dramatic fashion in their last two home games against, against Gladbach and Gladbach against uh, a relegation rival Augsburg and they've got a game to come again away at Hertha and also just the way that they've managed to maintain their identity through this they've made mistakes uh they they put their eggs in uh baskets which were injured uh, for a lot of the season and <laughs> i think that it would have been different had that who would, had that not who would happened do such a thing now um yeah, so I like the direction that Stuttgart are going in, and I'm with you on 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 them staying up. I think it would be it would be good for the league, and interested to see what Sven Mislintat, um, formerly of the Dortmund Parish, would do with with uh, with the money in in the summer, and and that yeah that that they've stuck with Pellegrino Matarazzo through bad times, whether it's these relative bad times or the ones that they had as it looked like they were going to um, not get over the line uh, in the second Bundesliga when they were trying to achieve promotion. So, yeah, Mislintat's eye for a player is incredible. I I don't know where he found Thiago Tomas. Yeah, amazing player. Like, <laughs> every, every, time, every time I watch Stuttgart, there's a new player that I'd, I'd not really seen before and I'm oh he's pretty good oh right okay yeah and okay yeah it's a mislantat job sure I just kind of accept it now um, and 
even in that game where they lost 5-0 to Bayern, I that was a very tight game for 40 minutes um, and was impressed with the way that they played. They went about themselves. Uh, they went about uh, playing the game. And whilst that's some way back in, in the past, I've not seen much of them uh, live recently. But I'm I'm encouraged by by the upward curve they're going on. And if you look at the sides down there, I agree. I think they are going to make it out. And I think they're going to make it a difficult time uh, for Dortmund, um, partly on um, on Friday night as well. So if you're Marco Rose, you've already been Sebastian Kiel or the sporting director today on the show. Now you're the coach. <laughs> Put that hat on. Um, right. How are you going to tweak the lineup uh, after the car crash that was the Leipzig game if at all um, what are my options so you could you could you could start Julian Brandt for example you can start Dahoud okay. or you can start Marlon I'd, I'd start I'd start Donia Marlon I think that coming off the bench and the impact that he made was to be honest one? there was a that there was a <laughs> well, question mark goal, of, but Yeah, he did. He did, but yeah, he, he looked to have a lot more drive and energy than um, yeah, quite a few out there. Especially um, one the prominent Norwegian striker. I I I've said, it, about. I've, I've said it on the last show actually that I thought it was a mistake against Cologne to um, play start with Haaland and then have Marlon on the bench for as long because in the in the previous games Marlon did show the energy level that is needed and. Um, Uh, I, I I still think uh, right now, given the form that Haaland is in, it is smarter if 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 you do one or the other and not both at the same time that uh, you start with Marlon and bring Haaland on later. How fit Erling Haaland was as well is exactly. a question mark. And why he played 90 minutes as well is something that I raised my eyebrows about when he was so rated so doubtfully I, I think at, at this point it's uh, like Dortmund have stopped caring about the, the long term they're like mm. uh, either it works out or it doesn't yeah <laughs> that, that's yeah. the vibe I'm getting yeah well if, if we were to rain, if, if we were to roam into conspiracy theory territory <laughs> which which is always the best territory then right. actually if 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 Haaland picked up an injury right now that's probably the best chance they have of keeping him <laughs> in the summer That's the only way I can see him staying. Yeah, so, may maybe he can injure his release clause. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, anyway, but there are reports that it's actually not I would wish that real. upon anyone. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's to be said as well. Uh, I Yeah, the, the kid, because right, he still is one. I He's gone through enough with injuries this season. And yeah, I, I, think, I think he's probably learned a lot about his own body as it is. So I would, I think... I would uh, consider pushing Marius Wolf back to to right back to make space for one of Julian Brandt or, or Gio Reyna going forward. Um, if if not both, uh, maybe giving Torgan Azar a rest there. I I think that yeah, Modahoud needs to come in. Um, but yeah, the question is then uh, who sits out of uh, him and Bellingham and maybe actually putting Jude Bellingham on a, yeah, if, if, if we say that yeah, a sexer has a leash uh, in, in that position, I actually just giving him that task of making sure he brings a lot going forward, but 
but giving him more that role of just controlling that space and giving Modahud a little more uh, responsibility to go play those passes into those tight areas, which he is, I think, be- he, it's a I, fact, he, he's better at doing that than Bellingham. I think you are making a really good point. Is You know, I've, I've talked about this earlier, you know, you need this anchor in, in a double pivot, really, and the question is, is Jude Bellingham good enough to be a number eight in the long term? And right now... I'm I'm a little bit torn. I don't think so. I I think he could be more of a number six, mm. and I, now would be a good start to to play him there and and see what's what. He could do that on his own as well. Such is the energy, and that is enough. That is enough for for him to be to right. be doing. But yeah, uh, put it, putting I know him he on looks up to Stephen Gerrard's. Yeah, he, but yeah, like, and he can he can. He's shown what he can do if he arrives late in the box as well, which that opportunity does come around still. And he's got a really good sense of timing for getting into the box, as he's shown on numerous occasions this season. So that 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 would be my consideration for for the team. I I think yeah, I one of Akanji Hummels and and Chan would would need to drop out. Yeah, um, I'd be more tempted to go with a back four. So. All right, so let's say we, or Dortmund rather, uh, play a 4-2-3-1 because mm-hmm. that's usually uh, the, the, the feel-good system that Dortmund uh, go to when they A, need a result and then B, uh, things in the past haven't worked out. So I I think uh, right back you have Dan Wolf, then you have Hummels Akanji centre-back and left-back you have to stick with Guerrero because who else is there? <laughs> and then double pivot number six, you play Bellingham and then the hood in front, and then you can build your attacking mid. And uh, that's that's you make it sound like Lego. Yeah, it is. <laughs> build your attacking unit. <laughs> yes, and then then I think on the on the left side you can go with Marlin, and in the in the middle you go with uh, Royce, obviously, and on the right side mm-hmm. you go with Reyna, and then. Up top, you go with Haaland. That would be my setup. And then you have uh, Brandt and Hazard as, as subs for later on. Mm-hmm. That'd, be, that'd be my approach right now. Yeah, I could see that. It, it, it makes sense in my head. Okay. But let's see what they've been working on this week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, this is this is really the thing. We haven't even really mentioned it, but uh, due to the exits of various competitions, don't we really do have a lot of training ground time now. Mm-hmm. So let, let's see if maybe there is some sort of development and, and, and maybe even patterns or schemes we can as, as, as fans and, and observers recognize. That'd be very nice too, you know, because I think the one criticism we can level at, at Rose throughout this entire season is that he has not really come up with um, a, a recognizable system or, or, or brand of play, you know. Uh, I, I he hate could it. argue, he could argue that injuries have forced his hand and Easily. that he's having he's had to play it game by game Easily. in that in that in, in that way in that it's been almost trying to put um square pegs into round holes yeah it's at been times. a jigsaw throughout the entire season and and with the exit as well as we've learned um of um a Dortmund physio as well um this week that yes. that that for me is also something to address with Thomas the- Setzman, who was the physio since 2010. Mm, and, and like 
Yeah. That is a whilst whilst Sebastian Kale uh, in an interview with Sportbuild uh, or, or when he was asked questions about about the injury crisis, while he said that those from far away shouldn't shouldn't be judging it after being confronted with quotes from a medical expert, I think that from 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 this far off land in which in which we're judging it, <laughs> I think that that is that is a sign. If anything, I mean, uh, that there is somebody who has he he is uh, he is the sacrifice in this instance. I and yeah, I, f- I feel a little bit sorry for him, but I because I think there are several factors which go into it. The, the coach selects the style of play in uh, in the intensity of, of which you play at and how you manage that. And I think we've seen with very intense. Uh, I, when it, with, with very intense styles of play, I mean, there was a time when, with under Jurgen Klopp, when there were lots of muscular injuries, and I think that's been a similar case this season as well. So, yeah, I uh, something something needed to be addressed. I think Dortmund recognised that, and this is the step they've taken. Right. So, um, obviously, we can talk more about the physio getting sacked, but the problem is. Um, we do not have the, the the means to really evaluate that decision. Mm. I think in the in the preport, nor the expertise. Yeah, exactly. And and in the in the preport in the preport, you said that you know maybe you can allege that he was thrown under the bus by Dortmund, <laughs> uh, but it, it's really hard to say what it is. To be honest, May, maybe um, there there is good cause for him to be uh, let go. Maybe there is not. I personally don't know. I'm just hoping for the best here. <laughs> so, um, uh, with that in mind, uh, what is your scoreline prediction for the Friday night game? Two two. Yeah. I'm gonna say three to two Dortmund because I, for for whatever reason, think they will bounce back. Um, and uh, yeah, that is that. Archie, I'm uh, very glad you stuck out with me for one and a half hours. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, we didn't have a preview episode for the Leipzig game because I didn't find the time. But uh, now we find more than enough time. I, I'm I'm certainly confident that half the people that listen to this won't even make it to the end. But uh, you did, and I'm grateful for it. So uh, is there anything you want to plug other than ESPNFC or maybe even ESPNFC? That's uh, that's close to your heart. <laughs> Another shout come out for us, crumpets. <laughs> come, you can not just watch. Uh, you, you can not just watch Stuttgart Dortmund on ESPN Plus this weekend. You can watch every game if you want. So I, I believe that is well. You can watch every game of Bundesliga. Unfortunately, you cannot it, watch every game of Zweite Bundesliga, which is where it's really at these days. So please, I'm talk working to on it, Stefan. I'm working on it, yeah. mate. Um, <laughs> no, I yeah, I you've got it, you got it all there. Uh, in terms of plugging anything, no, not really. All right. Um, I mean, if 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 you if you want to if you want to follow my ramblings about the English shop in Cologne closing on Twitter, then at Archie RT One. If you don't, no worries. Yeah, you can follow me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. Uh, no ramblings about any English shops. You're but assuming that people know how to spell Busco. Yeah. <laughs> I am. You think they do? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
if you really want to follow me on Twitter and haven't yet, so please go on. Uh, I don't know. It, it's linked pretty much everywhere where you can find the show. Um, but more importantly, um, we have a shop called Stargazy here on Pass Young Avenue. Uh, it's uh, in South Philadelphia. It's very close by where I live. And it's run by a Tottenham fan called Sam. And uh, he makes uh, really awesome fish and chips. And as someone who loves fish and chips, not the British kind per se, because I'm more of a kibbling and patat guy from uh, <laughs> from uh, my my days in the Netherlands as a, as a, as a kid. Uh, but yeah, shout out to him because I was just thinking uh, about uh, me being blessed that he has in fact not closed on his shop, and I get to enjoy uh, a good uh, British fish and chips. Although I must say, I don't get this whole mushy peas thing that really. It's, it's not for me. Each to their own? Yeah, I guess. But, you know, you, you can only push the British cuisine so far without it breaking. So, you know. Anywho, actually, <laughs> it was fun to have you on. Uh, Good thing we're wrapping up now for your sake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think so too. Yeah, you can follow all of us uh, at Yellow Wall Pod on Twitter and Facebook. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, uh, go to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc. And obviously, if you want to see us do this show you can do so on our youtube channel which you can also find at yellow wall pod or the yellow wall and uh, that is it for this week we shall be back with another episode next week uh, to discuss the Stuttgart game and maybe there's uh, another emergency podcast on the line if the reports indeed hold true who knows but in the meantime uh, i'm grateful for everyone listening or tuning into the video feed uh, until then goodbye